right good. But uh, I had a stress test uh, last week, and I did a nuclear. I don't know if I glow in the dark or not. I don't know. And uh, nothing bad, I don't guess. I hadn't heard from my doctor yet. But uh, it was one of those uh, where they put you in this machine. And so the lady came out and she said, Now, Pastor, we're going to take three pictures. takes ten minutes each. The first two won't bother you. Now, the third one, we're going to inject this isotope. It's going to cause you to simulate a heart attack. I said, how do you tell between a simulation and a real one? That's what I want to know. I said, can you tell on that machine you're watching, can you tell if I'm having a heart attack or not? She said, oh, yeah, but you're not going to have a heart attack. I said, why do you think I'm here? <laughs> the doctor thinks I may have, can have a heart attack. Good night, sis. I mean, I said, don't go get a cup of coffee while I'm in here doing this test. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, Brother Mark asked me to come. And he said, now, Pastor, he said, this is a love revival. I'm not a love preacher. Uh, but I'm going to preach on love tonight. It's I love to tell you about sin and get rid of it. Amen. <laughs> I, let me tell you a couple's joke, all right? Uh, this police officer pulled this older couple over, and he came up to the car and uh, said to the gentleman, he said, Sir, said, the reason I stopped you is because you didn't have your seatbelt on. He said, Oh, yes, sir. said, I had my seatbelt on, but when you stopped me, I took it off to get my driver's license out. His wife said, You don't ever wear that big seat belt. said, why are you lying to him? He looked over and said, would you be quiet? And he said, sir, said, your left taillights busted out. He said, oh, yes, sir. said, we're on our way to the garage right now to get that repaired. She said, you are lying. said, that's been out for six months. We're on our way to the grocery store. <laughs> he said, shut up. Police officer said, ma'am, does he talk to you like that all the time? said, no, sir, just when he's been drinking. <laughs> That's all the love you got tonight, all right? No, I, I am. I'm going I'm to preach tonight, and I'm not going to be long tonight. I'll tell you how long I'm going to preach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach till I get through, all right? That's what I tell my folks. Uh, I, I tell my people at Parkview, and, and Brother Mark, I don't know if you remember this or not, but let's um, see, two, two, three Sundays ago, uh, I celebrated 33 years there at the church. And uh, I was in evangelism when uh, the church called me. I, 18 months prior to that, I'd uh, been there for a revival meeting, and I put that church on a list I'd never go back to for a revival. Eighteen months later, I was their pastor. The only reason I went there is God made me. 
I didn't love them then. I'd been there about six months, and they got a, this is truth, they got a petition up. People were signing it for me to leave. And if I could have found the petition, I'd have signed it. <laughs> I had one lady came, and she said, it's time for you to leave. I said, well, sis, it may be one day, but God won't use somebody like you to tell me. And I said, by the way, it's cheaper for you to move than me. It takes a letter, an envelope, and a stamp. I got to sell a house, pack all our stuff up, move to another town. I said, sis, it'd be better for you to leave. So she did, and we've both been happy ever since. <laughs> oh, mercy. Romans chapter 5. Yeah, me too. Romans chapter 5. Uh, well, several years ago, a guy stood up on Sunday morning and handed me my resignation typed out, ready for me to sign. And uh, I knew something was up with him uh, probably that week before. So I was telling, telling my staff about it, and I said, now, uh, Brother John Abraham was my associate then. Brother John pastors in Rosanke, Texas now. And uh, I, I said, I want the, uh, he'll probably have to be taken out. And I said, uh, Brother John said, well, preacher, we'll take him out. And I said, no, I, I know what you mean by taking him out. <laughs> I meant remove him from the building. And, uh, but he did, and, and, uh, we had a Holy Ghost meeting that night. A family came and joined. I said, Lord, after this, you joining? You don't have any sense at all. That's, that's good. But we've had things happen through the years. But you know what I found this out? And I learned this from Brother Lester Roloff. Brother Roloff said one time, he said, if you preach the Bible, it'll get you in trouble. But if you keep preaching it, it'll get you out. And that's what we've done uh, next, uh, next March, next month. Matter of fact, I'll celebrate 54 years of preaching. And nothing I enjoy more than preaching. I, I, I tell people I preach to live and live to preach. I preach four times every Sunday, and I just have myself a time. I, I love it. I just absolutely love it. But I was going to tell you, I, I tell my folks at Parkview, uh, the reason I preach so long is uh, if I let you out early, then you're going to be frustrated when you get to the restaurant. You're going to be a long line there for you to have to wait to eat. Well, the only people in Waco that we don't beat to the restaurants are black churches. And I mean, nobody beats them. And uh, But I... Uh, I won't preach long tonight, uh, but I do want to say some things that I think will be a help and encouragement to you. And I've entitled the message tonight, Does Jesus Deserve Our Love? Has He Earned It? You know, it's one thing for you and for me to say, God loves me. Jesus loves me. But what about 
How true is it when we say, I love Jesus? A lot of people in churches remind me, Pastor, they, they, they remind me of who people who say, you know, I fell in love. I hear that from couples all the time. We just fell in love. Let, let, let me share something with you. Falling is an accident. You don't accidentally love someone. You love them on purpose. You decide to love them. Love is not necessarily an emotion. I don't know how many times over all these years I've had folks come and, and they'll say, you know, preacher, we're really contemplating about divorce. First thing I ask them is this. I said, now let me ask you about your salvation. Oh no, we're saved. We're, we're, we're saved. We know the Lord. I said, okay. Then uh, divorce is not an option God gives you. Now God has made provision if one of the party is unfaithful. He's made that provision. Let, 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 me, let me share something. God never commands anybody to get a divorce. He allows divorce in certain situations. But to say we just don't love each other anymore, that is not an option God gives the believer. Jesus said, as God has loved me, I have loved you. And he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You don't keep God's commandments accidentally. You do it on purpose. Love is a choice. It's a decision. God's love that I'm supposed to have for my wife, she's supposed to have for me. Now, she's in heaven now, but she still loves me. Probably better now. Uh, but anyway... The love that we're to have as husband and wife and as saved people to unsaved people and as saved people to saved people is a divine, supernatural love. It's a giving love. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. He gave. Can you imagine what kind of a marriage relationship it would be if a husband spent his entire time with his wife giving to her, understanding, being thoughtful, being sacrificial? Ephesians 5 says that you and I are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I've had men come to me and say, well, preacher, I know what you're saying is probably right, but I've got to tell you something. She's not the same woman I married. I tell them, look in the mirror. You're not the same man she married either. Some of us look like our daddy was a pirate and left us a sunken chest. 
I told my wife one time, I said, several years ago, I said, honey, I'm going to try to lose some weight. I realize they're 40 pounds. You're not legally married to. <laughs> After all Jesus has done for us, has he not earned our love? That love is what the, in the Greek is the word agape. For God so gave because he loved. And if you have a husband giving to his wife, a wife giving to her husband, man, you've got a wonderful marriage there. Well, I know, but sometimes they're ugly. Let me ask you this. You think God ever thinks you might be ugly sometimes? Are y'all hearing anything I'm saying? Yet he's, see, nothing causes God to deviate from his love for us. Let me tell you something. This, this is good, so don't miss this. There's nothing that you could ever do so sacrificial, nothing that you could ever do that would cause God to love you more than what he loves you right now. There's nothing so dastardly wicked that you could ever do that would cause God to love you less than what He does right now. I believe this with all my heart, Brother Mark, that at the great white throne judgment, God won't be cheering as He casts people into the lake of fire. My Bible teaches me that God hath no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Has he earned our love? Let me, let me show you this. Verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commend, it's a 75 cent word. It means that that God proved, that God showed, that God demonstrated, that God illustrated. God said, if you want to know whether or not I love you, I want you to know this, I loved you before you ever trusted my son, I loved you. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. You and I, I think we have an obligation to demonstrate our love for God. What has He really done that has made us to realize that He has earned our love? Well, first of all, the salvation that He has provided for us. Sometimes we, we think that uh, Salvation is just getting out of hell. Oh, no, it's much more than that. I mean, that's great. Amen. I, had a, I was in a conference not too long ago, and a, a preacher said, if the only reason you got saved was to get out of hell, I don't know if you're saved. I thought, well, that's a pretty good reason to get saved. Here's a lake of fire. You want to go? No. Get saved. Believe I will. Now, that's stupid. 
I mean, you've got to go to ignorant university and graduate with honors to be that dumb. But he did more than save us from hell. He saved us to sonship. He saved us and caused us to become his child. You and I that are born again, we are children of the king. We need to live like royalty because we're God's child. I remember when I was 18 years old. I had my license, driver's license, since I was 16. I got my driver's license, Brother Mark, and I asked my daddy, I said, Daddy, got my license now. I said, can I get a car? He said, absolutely. Man, I already had an argument all put up why I needed a car and everything. Dad just shot that down. He said, absolutely. I said, can, can, can we go look at them? He said, yes, sir. I said, Dad, are you serious? He said, yeah. Now, he said, now, you got to know this. You're going to have to pay for it. I, I said, well, Dad, I, my friends have cars and all. He said, well, let me ask you this, son. He said, how can you be 15 years old, 364 days, and you could get by without a car personally? And that next day, you had to have a car. He said, I just explain that to me. My dad had an eighth grade education. He had PhD in horse sense. I said, well, Dad, I, I just... He said, look, anytime you need a car, you can drive mom's car or you can take my truck. I said, Dad, it's hard to be cool in a 55-model Buick station wagon. He said, you're not cool. So when I got 18 years old, that, I got a job. I graduated from high school, got a job so I could buy a car. That's when I got my first car, when I could pay for it. I went to my dad's banker, Mr. Walter Beach, and I said, Mr. Beach, I found a car down at Mac McCarter's car lot there in Garland, Texas, my hometown. And, and uh, he, he said, oh, Mac's got good, clean cars. He said, yes, sir. Tell me what about it. I told him all about it, blah, blah, blah. And he said, all right. He said, uh, I'll loan you the money. I said, now, Mr. Beach, I, I, I'd, I'd like to sign the note myself. He said, okay. I said, now, Mr. Beach, I'm not 21 yet. He said, I know how old you are, son. I've known you your whole life. I said, well, why are you going to let me sign that by myself? He said, because of who your daddy is. He said, your daddy's giving you a good name, son. Don't you hurt his name. God has spiritually stamped his name on us. We need to live like his children. Let me tell you what he did when he saved you. And I don't have time to go into all of it. First of all, he, he delivered you from the penalty of sin. 
Do you realize that this life on this earth, this is as near to the lake of fire as you're ever going to be? Isn't that amazing? Not only did He save you from the penalty of sin, He has saved you from the power of sin. Romans 6 said, Sin shall not reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. I don't care what sin is given among men, the power of God is able to deliver the child of God from it. Why? There is no temptation taken you but such is common to man. But God is faithful. To who? To His children. And He'll give you the way to escape that you may be able to bear. You can stand flat-footed, look the devil in the eye and tell him he cannot defeat you. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll take off like a scalded rat. But one day, thank God, he's going to save us from the very presence of sin. Can you imagine living in such a place that you never lock your doors? Can you imagine living in a place where funeral directors go broke? All the restaurants have to shut down because God's doing all the feeding. That's what He's done. with all this political stuff that's going on in our world today, my Bible tells me in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You want to go to heaven when you die? You must be saved. And the way you're saved is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that possible? Because God loves you. You're here tonight. You may even be a member of Caney Creek Baptist Church, but boy, when you get alone at night, and all the lights are out, and you're about to pillow your head and go to sleep. Can I share with you one of the things that really brought conviction to me? I wasn't saved until I was 19 years old. When I was 9 years old, I went forward in a revival meeting in our church there at Garland. Revival meeting, and my sisters went forward, my older brother Bobby went forward, and I went with them, and I honestly believe, Brother Mark, that I, I could have been saved that night if somebody would have shown me how to do it. One of our deacons came over and he had his Bible and he opened his Bible. He took out a card and put it on his Bible and he said, Now you're coming by profession of faith. I'm a nine-year-old boy. Those are two bigger words for me. But if he said I was, I was. I spent the next 10 years trying to prove to myself and everybody else that I was really saved. 
I was in the youth group at church. I went on youth activities. I went on church visitation. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was there for every night of a mission conference, every night of a revival meeting. Why? Because my daddy told me I was going. You ever hear this? Well, I don't make them come to church because you know you get too much church. They won't go when they're older. Why you make them go to school? I'm not going to make him go to third grade because he won't want to go to fourth grade. I, have, I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if you get hurt feelings, just hit you half a baby aspirin and get over it. <laughs> that is actually ignoramus thinking. You know why I know that? Because of what it did for me. When I was... 18 years old, almost 19. I remembered a little prayer my mom taught me when I was a young boy. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, Brother Mark, I couldn't go any further. I got to thinking, what if I do die? Boy, I hear about people dying in their sleep. You know, I thought, boy, what if I close my eyes and I wake up in hell? I didn't have any, listen to me, I didn't have any peace. You say, well, preacher, do you have to have peace? <laughs> Be good. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He is the Prince of Peace. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and joy and a sound mind. Yeah, you need peace. That's the only way you really know that you're going to heaven is when God's giving you that deep, settled peace. Nineteen-year-old, Revival meeting, singing in the choir. The evangelist began to talk about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sitting in that choir, I began to think. I don't have any peace. I'm wanting peace. I'm lacking peace. I don't have any joy. I don't have any victory in my life. It's easy to sin and not feel so bad about it. Boy, as soon as that music director dropped his hand, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, boy, I hit the altar. Took my pastor by the hand. I said, Preacher, I'm lost. I need to get saved. Listen to this. He said, Now, John, you're, you're saved. You just got something in your life you need to confess. Go over there and confess it. Here's what I said a while ago. My mom and dad made me stay in church. I had heard enough gospel. I knew what to do to get saved. I asked the Lord to save me. Got up and went over and told him. I said, Preacher, I got saved. 
I need to be baptized now. He said, really? He reluctantly baptized him. The peace of God that passes human understanding became mine. Why? Because I trusted Jesus. He's the only way. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man turns up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want to see or enter the kingdom of heaven. You say, you think that's fair? What do you mean? I had a guy come up and ask me that. He said, you think it's fair that God says the only way you can go to heaven is by this being born again? I said, well, let me ask you this. Who owns heaven? Well, I guess God. I said, you're right. He can decide who comes and who doesn't. See, he, he still has that sign up that says, we have the right to refuse service to anybody. And the way that he will let you in is only if you receive Christ. Now I'm going to get through and I want, I want to share something with you. When God saves you, he pardons you. Now, I'm going to use preacher as an example, all right? B.C., before Christ, he was a rounder. He's a small rounder now, but he was a big rounder back then. Mark spent some time at the Crossbar Hotel. Some of y'all finally get me. It'll get to the back row in a minute. Now, I don't know all the circumstances. We've not talked about great details, but Brother Mark could have been paroled. Now, parole says this. We're going to let you out. Now, now you're guilty. You're absolutely guilty. But we're going to let you out of jail, but you're going to live on probation. And if you break any of the details of your probation, you're going back in jail for the entire length of your sentence. Now grab a hold of your seats for just a minute. God never paroled anybody. If they had walked in to Brother Mark or brought him into the room there and the judge had said, Mark Grimes, you have been pardoned. Now watch it. It doesn't mean he's not guilty. It means he's been forgiven. And that forgiveness, watch it, is not dependent upon him violating some ideals that man comes up with. 
God's the only one that can really forgive. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me share something with you. All of us in this building tonight, we're as guilty as guilty can be. There never will be a time this side of heaven that we will not be guilty. When we get into heaven and we have our glorified body, I believe that we're still going to be able to remember the pardon that God gave to us. He pardons us because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. We're redeemed. That means to purchase back. Redeemed. Redeemed. Those that he redeemed, he pardoned. Have you ever experienced pardon of God I'm looking on the faces of many of you and it's sort of a new thought to you man I'm guilty but I'm pardoned let me remind you again God doesn't parole anybody God also he, he doesn't meet out give out salvation a little here and a little there the older you get, you get a little more. No, no. When, when God saves you, you get the whole wagon load. Now, the older we get in the Lord and the more we stay in the Word and the more we surrender ourselves to Him and we die to ourselves, the more we do that, the more we're going to understand the great love of God. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. There are those that would get you to think and believe that Jesus only died for those that would be saved. Not so, not so, not so. Bible says he died for the sins of the world. Romans chapter 1 says that those who stand there in the final judgment, the great white throne judgment, they're going to be there without excuse. Why? Because they could have been saved if they would have. Jesus said, as many as come to me, I won't reject one of them. Listen to me very carefully, dear friend, tonight. If you're here and you're unsaved, the only reason you won't be saved tonight is because you won't be saved tonight. He waits with open arms. He waits to receive you. But you have to come to Him. I've often wondered, what keeps those of us that are His children from just being totally sold out to Him? 
I'm going to ask you the question I started with. Has he earned our love? Has he earned our devotion? Has he earned our allegiance? From my point of view, I'd be the most ungrateful person in the world if I was willing to enjoy his salvation. But Brother Mark, I wouldn't allow him to be Lord of my life. Sometimes I hear Bible teachers and preachers and and, and I'm not really picking fault, but they, they use the term and they'll say, make Jesus Lord of your life. You can't do that. Why? He already is Lord. You don't make Him be anything. He is the Lord. But you can allow Him to be Lord in your life. That means He's the boss. That means what He says no to, you say no to. What He says yes to, you say yes to. Because He's earned that. I could take you to a little country cemetery outside of Garland, Texas, Mills Cemetery. I could take you to two graves, two little small headstones. One would say R.J. Collier, the other would say Edith Collier. April 20th, you might want to write that date down, that's my birthday. April 20th, I'm going to celebrate 73 years. But Brother Mark, I can look at those graves and with all honesty say, I never dishonored you. I never sassed my mother. I never talked back to my daddy. I'm the youngest of seven children, five boys and two girls. I saw my ignorant siblings. I saw them talk back and wow. I said, mm, easier way to live than that. I cannot tell you I didn't think it sometimes. And thank God mom and dad couldn't read minds. My wife could. If Wynn was here tonight, he'd tell you one of the worst spankings she ever gave him was for a facial expression. She said, I know what you're saying inside. Get in that bedroom. I said, boy, you're going to learn to keep that face right. But if I would do that for my mom and dad, why shouldn't I do more for my God? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're needy people tonight. Lord, we, we're hurting in our nation, in our world tonight. Father, we are reaping the results of people telling you that you're not wanted here. We don't want you in schools. We don't want you in our government. 
But Lord, sadly, there's so many people that don't even want you in their hearts. God, help us to be faithful to help reach people. Bless these dear folks here tonight. I, I love these folks. I love this place. I love this pastor and his wife. But Lord, for us just to have a good time is not sufficient. We need to do business with you tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Just so no one will be embarrassed. I wonder you're here tonight and you'd say, Preacher, as you was talking a while ago, I have to be very, very honest. I don't have that deep, settled peace in my heart that if I had to lay myself to sleep tonight and if I should die, I don't have a deep, settled peace that heaven would be my home. And I wish you'd just remember me and to God in prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. Just lift that hand up till I see it and then slip it down. God bless you. Thank you. Would there be others? God bless you. Thank you. Would there be one? God bless you. Thank you. Over to my left. Would there be others? God bless you. Thank you. Yes, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you, young man. Sure glad we waited. Anyone else at all? God bless you. Thank you. Now, those that raised your hand, I want you to act like no one's here but just you, me, and God, all right? If you really mean it tonight, that you want to know Jesus Christ personally, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Not out loud. Don't want to embarrass you. But I want you to pray this in your heart. Now here's the kicker. I want you to mean it. Pray with me. Dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. And right now, dear God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Do it right now, please. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder you prayed that prayer and you meant it. Now, you may not have raised your hand a while ago, but you prayed that prayer and you meant it. Would you just lift that hand till I see it and then slip it down? I prayed that and I meant it. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you and you. And God bless you, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Praise the Lord. Would it be others? God bless you. Thank you, young man. We're going to stand in just a moment and sing a hymn of invitation, however you want to do it, Brother Mark. And I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe sounds difficult. But it really isn't. When you realize that Jesus walked up Calvary, that Jesus went publicly to the cross, and when they crucified him, they crucified him absolutely nude. He was nude. 
The world gaped at him, but he did it because he loved you. So to ask you to come down and take the preacher by the hand and let someone have a word of prayer with you is not asking anything. The Bible says if we will confess him before men, he'll confess us before the Father which is in heaven. Now dear Christian friend, listen to me. I wonder tonight, is this going to be a turning point for you to make a decision, not fall in love with Jesus. Remember, we talked about that. But to commit to a love relationship with Jesus Christ and to allow Him to be Lord of your life. To be the boss. To be the one who directs. To be the one who leads. Christian friend, you ought to lead out in this. Dear friend who prayed with me, as these Christians come, you come right to Brother Mark. We just want to have a word of prayer with you. Help you in this new relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, our heads bowed. Heavenly Father, thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in hearts. We give you glory. Lord, bless now. May God's people respond to the Holy Spirit's tugging at their heart. May adults and children and young people come. Take preacher by the hand, Lord, and say, I trusted Christ tonight. Our heads are bowed. Brother Rose sings a song. Would you slip out and come? Do it right now. Don't hesitate. The devil will talk you out of it. Do it right now.
Hallelujah. Somebody put your hands together and give God a praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated one second. Amen. If you made a decision tonight to give your heart to Jesus, welcome to the family of God tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, God is not a God that he does lie. If you believe in your heart that he is Lord of your life tonight, start serving him. Anything that's blocking that way, get it out of your life. I told a story yesterday about I came in here and there's a lot of alcohol and cigarettes. And one time there was a bottle of meth on the, on the altar here. And people was like, who would bring that into our church? I said, the people getting right with their life. And they were laying it at the, at the altar. And uh, there's no shame in getting right either. There's no shame in, in, in admitting that you have a problem. I... Uh, was blessed to be able to talk to some folks today. And on my way out to talk to some folks, I was troubled with what I was going to say. Pastor, you just hit the nail on the head tonight because you said everything that I said to them. You know, it's been a rough two weeks. I, I lost one of the men I love and value. And, and then I come home and there's things going on and you got to pray them through and you got to walk them through. And, then you got to still keep going, no matter if it's hard or if it's sunshine or if it's raining. You got revival, bull ride. You just got to keep going. And so today I was at a loss for words. Anybody ever been at a loss for words? I was at a loss for words. And I said, Lord, give me something to say that would help this family, that would help this family. And my phone rang, and it was my banker. And, uh, he was just bragging on my oldest boy and how respectful he was when he came in there and got that loan the other day. And you said the same thing, right? You didn't know that. He said, man, you, you have raised your kids right. He said, now you got another boy too. I said, yes, sir. He said, is he going to be banking with us? I said, yes, sir. He said, all right, awesome. I started thinking about where I had to go and what I had to say to someone that I loved. When I got there, I knew what to say because God had put it on my heart. What are your kids going to say about you if you keep living in sin? What are your kids going to say about you if you keep walking this road that you're on? Anybody ever think about that? What kind of testimony are you leaving your children? That mama was a liar? That mama was a thief? That mama was a drunk? That daddy was a liar. That daddy was a cheat. I can say that about my parents because it was true. Pastor Carr, you can't say that about his parents, but I can say that about my parents. They were drunkards. They were liars. They were cheaters. Dalton and Justin ain't going to say that about their daddy. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep it like that. Amen. If I can have them say anything about me, pay attention. If I can have them say anything about me, I want them to say that my daddy was a good man. My daddy loved Jesus, and he served him with all of his heart. Before Christ, he was lost. But after Christ, he was found. And he found his way to Jesus in every area of his life. I'm going to tell you something. Some days I want to drink. Some days I want to smoke. I was smoking when I walked into this church. We were drinking the week before we walked into this church. 
We thought about drinking after. I was still smoking for months after I joined the church. But God, I cussed, man. I cussed the first day I was in this church. But God just slowly replaced my evil sin with his love and his compassion. And I'm going to say this. I was thinking about it today. What are your kids going to say about you? I don't want to let them down. I don't want to let my Lord down. I want to be the one that he brags on. Have you seen old Mark Grimes? He's the one that got the cowboy church over in East Montgomery County. That's my boy. That's what I want to hear the Lord say. That's my boy. That's my son. That's my faithful servant. He bragged on Job. He bragged on David. The Lord liked to brag on his children. Will he brag on you from now on? I pray he does in Jesus' name. There's some light refreshments for you guys. Try to bring a friend tomorrow night. God bless you for being here. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, fill out a sheet. Let us know when. Get the elders together and talk to you. God bless you. And y'all make sure y'all give Pastor Collier and Kevin Rowe a big hug tonight before you leave. And Miss Angela, God bless you. Be back in your spots tomorrow night. Amen.